It is December 29th, 2018. My name's Anthony, and I'm here with Michael, and this is Time Lapse, the podcast where cars and watches are the focus, but tangents are often the reality. Let's get into it. For the 17th time. Yeah, we've had some technical difficulties this, this morning. Is the third time we're doing this? This is the third time. Just the intro. We caught it. We caught yeah. it ahead of time. Hey, thank thank Christ we did. And Because you know, Anthony made a, a, fa- a fatal mistake. A mistake. <laughs> so I had to go back and we just so happened to run it back and luckily we caught it early on. No, that, that was really lucky uh, or else we would have wasted. We probably would have just left if we had recorded the entire podcast with those terrible settings. It sounded like we up. were in a fish tank. Um, yeah. But and if you're hearing us in a fish tank... Then, then we you screwed up. Yeah, you already know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, let's get right into it. Uh, we'll, let's we'll tr- trim get the right fat. The let's trim the fat and chew it. Um, what have you been up to, Mikey? Because it's been a month since we've been recording. So I mean, since when is that a saying? Trim the fat and chew it. Yeah, I mean, chew the fat. Chew the fat is a saying, and trim the fat is a saying. So what I did, I merged them together uh, for one almighty saying. <laughs> you want to hear something funny? What in that? mix up of things of us trying to go back and forth and fix this i uh exited all my internet tabs nice don't worry i still have mine open so you'll just have to play along as as we go <laughs> um so what's been going on uh, nothing just taking some time off from work it's nice. christmas holidays nice for, or it's the holiday holidays um for our non christmas going <laughs> listeners <laughs> you have you have to be uh so uh you have to, diversity is key yeah right um and correct. uh Nothing special, nothing too extraordinary. We had a red bar meet, my first yes. red bar meet. Yes. You went to one before. Yeah. That was your second. It was my first. It was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Red we bar, did. for those of you who, who are the uninitiated, uh, it's just a, a watch club. It's like a worldwide watch club. Um, I think uh, in tons of cities across the globe have a yeah. red bar group. Yep. Um, and we were lucky enough uh, to be let into. I mean, we're pretty plucky uh, as watch guys. Plucky? What do you mean by plucky, that? Plucky, like we're... Um, like we're we're not experts, right? And we're we're just sort of getting into the hobby, so we're plucky. We're, yeah, I would consider us pretty new newbies. into it in the grand scheme of things. There's guys that have yeah. been doing it for decades. But one thing I do want to say, it's a pretty diverse group, and you saw that there. Like you yeah. have guys who know the reference numbers and like the case material. Oh yeah, they'll differentiate it yeah. from from this reference to this re- reference. And I mean, like proper nerds when it comes to watches. And then you have guys like us who are just like into certain pieces. And you know they're yeah. you know they can make a little bit of money. They Casual can enthusiasts. Yeah, exactly. Casual enthusiasts. Um, there's young. There's old. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like with it, like the spectrum. There's old. There's <laughs> real old. As old as no. time itself. Uh, no, yeah, you, you no, it's definitely. Very, yeah, it's very diverse. It's pretty yeah. cool mm-hmm. to see everyone come together and uh, the hobby's enjoy growing. It. Yeah, it's crazy it to think that, that way. in our plucky little town. Second time I'm going to use plucky today. In Toronto, it's a, it's a it's a pretty big community for for a city as large as Toronto. I, I, you know what? I shouldn't say that. Toronto's like the third largest city in North America, but um, it, it's a pretty big group for yeah. for such a for such a niche thing. Like people are into watches, but very few people will, will make the trip out uh, to go in and just talk to people about watches. So yeah, when I've um, told a couple of people, oh, that's what I'm doing that night, they kind of look at me weird. But yeah, I mean, it's, if you're not into it, it's kind of hard to to understand. What are you gonna do? But it's cool because you um, you get to see a lot of vendors come out um, and they yeah, promote their stuff, and we're actually introduced gonna talk them about, to a couple of cool things. Yeah. Um, that night there, we had um, Black Hole. Yes. Which we're going to talk about a little bit later, yep. and the the watch that they a were fellow displaying. Fellow Toronto Red Bar member, 
who did a little collaboration with them. Yeah. He he helped to design the the actual watch. Yeah, well, and um, well, um, U-boat. There's a guy there from U-boat yes. as well. Yeah, showing that oil. I forget. I forget what exactly what it's, it's called. A, it's, it's like a dial coated. Yeah, quartz watch. I mean, well, I'll share my my thoughts on that when we start talking about the watches. But uh, yeah, other than other than Red Bar, anything else? Uh, no, not really. I, no, you, you it's did. Been, it's been it was a busy end of the year at work and. Uh, yeah, just taking time off. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, over on my end, nothing really has changed much uh, since since last time we recorded. Just uh, on on my vacation now, my four days off, trying to enjoy that and uh, and and just maintain uh, you know all of my hobbies. A lot. Of, I I just recently moved my bikes into my grandparents' garage, um, and I'm creating like a workstation there. So it's it, it's interesting. I've made a I've made a I've challenged myself to spend as little money as possible on that hobby going forward because I, I've made quite an investment so much. Into yeah. It up till now. And the fun of it now is like, as soon as you remove money from the equation, there's nothing to be let down about. If something doesn't work out, it doesn't work out and you figure it out over sure. time and you find a Yeah. You're not, you're solution. not as heavily invested in it yeah. monetarily. Yeah. Uh, but, but uh, anything custom is a stupid investment anyway. You never get your money back and it rarely lives well, up to expectations. So, yeah. Uh, Yes and no, but it's it's something that an unless will unless you're desire. like Steve McQueen and you know where or and you you're a trendsetter, custom is a bad idea. Anthony, you got to be a trendsetter. Yeah, I know it's hard to be a trendsetter. You could though, be Mike, an, you could on. be Anthony McQueen. Actually, I'm wearing the Bond NATO, so I do feel like Tony Tony Bond. <laughs> no, damn it, that's not how he says it. He says Bond. Tony Bond. Who's Tony Bond? I'm saying because like my name's Anthony, but I'm wearing the Bond NATO with the oh. Seamaster, so it's like I'm I'm oh. Bond, but I'm not James. Got it. Yeah, I'm 0069. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, um, shout out to Mark Teplecki. Uh, yeah, shout uh, out Mark Temp. A friend, yeah, Mark Temp. Tep. His Instagram handle, um, friend of the show and uh, and fellow watch and car enthusiast. He actually sent me uh, a photo uh, to remind me of summer days of his uh, uh, summer tag. days. That was the camp I went to as a kid. It was summer days. Summer days. Wow. Like D A Z E. Like you guys were in a days, right? Literally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I don't like summer camps because that's that's um, where Jason, uh, the serial killer from the Friday the Thirteenth series, that's where he became a serial killer. So I, I try to avoid yeah. summer None camps of them as often were there. as I can. Oh, yet at least. Yeah, yeah. He was probably a kid while you were there, and you were probably the reason he became a serial killer. But maybe. Yeah. And it's just you know probably around this. Yeah, he might he might be around. Yeah. Okay. Super tangent. Anyway, um, shout out to Mark. He uh, he sent me a photo that reminded me of summer uh, with his uh, tag Hoyer uh, Monaco um, blue dial steel. I think they only come in steel. The Monaco's the square case only is only yeah. Really steel. Well, you can get the Bamford one, which is like carbon. Yeah, that's like <laughs> composite. Way uh, that's like a super super niche. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, he sent me that on the dashboard of his 911. Uh, he has a 997 911, which uh, for those of you the uninitiated 911 enthusiasts uh, may not know, 997 I think was uh, on sale from like two th- like mid 2000s just up until like yeah 2004 to 2012. Yeah, it it, ju- it predates the 991. Yep. Yeah. Um, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty interesting car. Uh, I, I was at, he was actually working with me at the dealership, uh, when he got it. Um, and I know that this, this model, um, it precedes or comes after the model that got a lot of flack, the nine, nine somethings. I forget they had the weird headlights and everything there in the early two thousands. This was the model that came back and kind of made everything better. 
Um, people, I think, really uh, appreciated the look of uh, of the uh, of 997. His specific model is the Carrera S. Yeah, 996. Yes, the 996s were the goofy-looking ones that everyone was upset about uh, that had the weird-shaped headlights. Yep. They went back to the circle headlights with the 997. Is, it just a, is his um, just a standard 997? Carrera S. 911? Carrera S? Yeah. I don't know. Where, where does Carrera S fall in the lineup? It's a step oh, above. We should this. do this one day and explain the... Because um, when you really... like, They have a ton of yeah. different variants. Oh, yeah. Um, but when you look at it, it's really simple. Mm-hmm. It's not that difficult. Like they have their Carreras, their Targas, this, that, that. Mm-hmm. and they got S, it's like sport model, and they got, or they can throw a four before it, and it's four-wheel drive. Yeah, stuff exactly. Like that. So it's it's once you understand it, it kind of mm-hmm. all makes sense. But No, his is in fantastic shape, but it had that um, that thing done to it. Uh, there's like something that grenades these motors. It's something Porsche guys know. He told me that it already had that that repair done to it. Um, so it's a beautiful car and we will definitely have them on the podcast in the new year. Um, as soon as we can set something up. So Mark, if you're listening, uh, look out for that. Uh, look out for us sliding into your DMS as, as we typically do. Um, but, uh, you know, we're going to use his 997 as kind of a, a launch pad for some of the content we have for you guys today. Uh, some of the most exciting news out of Porsche in a very, very long time Hell is yeah. the new 992, the the, uh, pre- the successor to the yeah. 991, which we were in love with, still are in love with. No, not after seeing this. Oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, the, first off the bat, aesthetically speaking, the, this 992. Most people will see this move exactly the same, but if you know no, Porsche is no. like, man. The rear end, right off, like right away. Oh, my God. So they, it's like you didn't even know they had a problem until just, you saw this it's just one. Like little things that make yeah. it like so great. I don't know who they have working in their design department, but put these guys like freeze them. Do do the do the whole Walt Disney thing to them. If you as long as you keep these designers going, your car is never or gonna look let bad. Them, let them procreate. Yeah, let just them like make babies and put them in cages and just procreate. I think that might be illegal, Mikey. I I have a feeling that the <laughs> the German government wouldn't really wouldn't really be okay with that. Uh, but no, I mean aesthetically speaking, I think the rear is gorgeous. The front is everything it needs to be. I mean, not really a huge change in the front other than the hood. I think yep. uh, it uses the same headlight uh, assemblies uh, and and obviously the front like the lower grille has been changed up with little accents. They had to make a change. Um, some stuff that you don't really get from the pictures is, uh, is the active arrow. Um, the rear, the rear spoiler now big, huge. It, it, it honestly, it looks like it decapitates the rear deck when you, when you lit, when it lifts. Um, but it still seamlessly, uh, blends into the body. Um, you know, with all the hype around vintage 911s, like the 964 and, and, and that style pre, um, the early 2000s or maybe early 90s when it changed to that softer. Yeah, uh, like 94, 93, yeah. like the, kind of the end of that. I think they're kind of harking back with their design to that generation because of how simple and small and acute the lines are. There's not a whole lot of big bulbousy. It's very refined uh, on this model. But it look, is wider than the than the last gen. Really? I believe so, yeah. That's always been my thing. When you're driving, the 911 and the AMG GT, to me, are the only two cars you can see. Well, more so beh- the, the turbos. The, the turbos are yeah. like... Oh yeah, they gotta fit those massive wheels yep. and, and uh, right under the fender. But yeah, any 911 or in the AMG GT followed in this. If you're driving behind them a mile away, you know it's them because yep. of that rear. Like you know, I'm not one of those guys who has a fetish for for you know masturbating to cars, uh, and I say that proudly. Oh. I am not one of those guys. But this is this is 
car porn, right? Like the, the lines on this car are gorgeous. The same way they were on the 964 and what Singer did to the 964 is in the same thing. You put mm-hmm. that rear haunch on the car and it it ties the whole shape in together, um, especially the way that the the coupe, uh, the coupe body style, the, the headline comes down and meets that haunch. It's it's gorgeous. The, these cars are absolutely stunning. Um, and they need to be because they're they're carrying a name that is a, an automotive dynasty, right? So yep. Some uh, some more stuff that again you won't get looking from the photos. They've actually uh, revised the transmission options for the nine nine two. I think they kept the manual. This is a seven speed manual. So no, the the first ones that are going to be released are the Carrera S and the four mm-hmm. S coupes. Okay. Um, and they're only going to be PDK. And okay. then later in 2019, they're going to start to release the Carreras and Carrera 4 models with uh, PDK and manual. And manual 7-speed. That's something I did not know. That was from the 991, I think, that they had the 7-speeds. Maybe. Because they, 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 uh, sure. here on uh, Car and Driver, they're saying it's a carryover transmission. Okay. Um, the only other car I know that has a 7-speed manual is the Corvette. Um, the yeah. Stingray. Yeah, the, the new-gen Corvette. How popular they are, I'm not sure. In a, in a Corvette, I'm sure it's more popular as an option than in than mm-hmm. in a 911. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, uh, the PDKs in the 992s, I know a lot of abbreviations here, but um, the PDKs are PDK2, which is an eight-speed PDK, which is different from the 991s. Right. That was a, a, a seven-speed at the time. Um, so, And that's actually to save weight. It's a smaller unit. It uses four shafts instead of two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you don't know what the hell we're talking about, then you're just a normal human being who doesn't give a shit about uh, the size of your transmission in your 911. Uh, and you really... Transmissions are heavy. They are heavy. Size matters. Yeah. yeah. In this case. And in, in this case, PDK matters because PDK is probably the benchmark for dual clutch automatics. Yeah. A lot of people say, so. say it's the, the most seamless shift. And that's what you're going for. If you're Unfortunately, gonna, I've never experienced it, Anthony. Neither have I. Neither have I, Mikey. I've never been in a PDK 911. Um, I've never been in a 911. I've been in a 911 before. Small. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're looking for like a grand touring vehicle, it's not like it's not your bet. So many people argue that it's the greatest because it because of how uh, capable it is and, and how reliable like they and it is really well engineered. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you're you're used to an F one fifty to get into this is going to be and drive for a long time, you're gonna have you know the sore back and the sore butt and the sore legs hmm. and the sore eyes and the sore neck and the sore hips. Well, <laughs> to say that you know um, Sam from Seen Through Glass, yeah, he's doing a year tour. Okay. So he sold his house. Must be nice. Sold everything. Must he's be nice. He's driving around the world for a year. Who's he think he is? Jeremy Clarkson? Like, Maybe. Uh, yeah. And he um, he was looking at cars to get to, to do this tour with, and he's bringing the car everywhere. He's putting it on boats, on wow. whatever. And he uh, got a 911. Really? A uh, 991, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, 991. Uh, what trim level? Uh, ooh, I think Carrera. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Probably a 4S. You'd, you'd probably so. want all-wheel drive if he's you're coming driving to Canada, around the world. He's coming. When? We should... Uh, drive the world. If he's coming to Canada, he's probably going to Vancouver. I don't think he's going to come to Toronto. He has a map because he did a Kickstarter to like fund for it. Can you please tell me, if he's coming to Toronto, we should go and uh, and see and see him. We You could have paid to do a drive day with him. 
I think that would be cool. To donate. Depending on how much Because he did, like, different tiers for, to, for his Kickstarter to, like, fund mm-hmm. for it. And he mm-hmm. had, like, um, is it already? like max tiers for, like, companies to, like, $5,000. And you get your logo all over his car and, like, this and that. And mm-hmm. you can pay, like, I think it was, like, 100 bucks, And he gives you, like, a T-shirt. And, you like, you spend the day with him doing something. I mean, not for 100 bucks, that's not bad. I don't really uh, like Oh, Career T. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Those are really. We saw those at the auto show. Yeah. Manual. Well, we were there when it was released. Yeah. That, that yeah only, does that only come manual? believe so because that was supposed to be their back to basics 911 yeah the it was like their 911 r like fuck all you people that are reselling yeah, them yeah exactly or <laughs> well, we're just going to remake everything that was great about the 911 r doesn't have everything that that car did but yeah. it's kind of the same concept it's in the same spirit uh, that's what the matters root. yeah canada does it say where no but anyway we'll find out yeah that's Nothing for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Abu Dhabi, Ar- Argentina, Australia, Austria, Belgium, Brazil, Bulgaria, Canada, China, Croatia, Cuba, Czech Republic, Denmark, Dubai, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Hong Kong, Hungary, India, Italy, Japan, Malaysia, Monaco, Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, That's Oman, Portugal, Singapore, South Africa, yeah, I mean, Spain, you, I mean, Sweden, you said the world. You didn't have USA. to. You didn't have to give up. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I'd like. Yeah, I'd love so to. He's see. doing that for a year. It's like a series that he's starting. It's called Drive the World, and he's uh-huh. going to film. Well, where's he going to drive in Canada? Was he going to drive through the prairies? Like, I guess Vancouver would be Not the, the, the only bet. Prairies are flat, boy. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, if he could, he's going to come up through uh, through Vancouver. Maybe Vancouver. Yeah. And and then, but then he'd have to get back. There's not there's nothing above Vancouver. It's Alaska. Yeah. And so, Daily Driven Exotics is out that way. Yeah. So and that they're pretty sense. big on the on the tube. Yeah. So the old we'll probably tube. meet up with them. Yeah. Who here is from Toronto? I don't know. Shmi came to Toronto. Yeah, but not he's not there's, driving. There's the whole faff thing. Like, who knows? Yeah, they, they may have could, reached out to him and said, "Hey, come, come to Toronto." Mm-hmm. Who knows? I hope they do. I really do. Uh, I hope. I hope he comes by because I, you know, I think it'd be cool to see someone in the automotive industry like that, uh, especially in like the social media uh, side of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, why don't we move on from the 911 talk into what I think is an equally exciting release? You may or may not agree with me. Um, Honda only releases new vehicles. Once every maybe five to ten years, their Honda's pretty lax. They haven't jumped on the bandwagon like the German automakers of releasing a new uh, style of vehicle and everything every like year. Um, so Honda's lineup, as it sits, was at, for, from largest to, to smallest was like Ridgeline, Odyssey, Pilot, CRV, HRV, uh, Accord, Civic, Fit. And mm-hmm. then, then the electric vehicles fall somewhere in there, or, or plug-in electric and hybrids fall somewhere in there. Now they're releasing something to fit between the Pilot and the CRV as sort of an off-roading vehicle. If you know anything about Honda, uh, no one really knows as much about Honda as me. Not to like hype myself up or anything, but like no one really gives a shit to know as much about Honda as me. That's where I work, so I have to know it. Yep. Um, but Honda didn't really have an uh, an answer to Toyota and Nissan's more capable SUVs. So like Toyota's Forerunner line, the Nissan, um, I I can never remember Pathfinder line, right? Both of those brands, yep. which are Honda's biggest competitors because they're they're value entry yeah. level Japanese. Um, both of those brands have their family more luxurious SUVs, and then they have their more capable SUVs. Honda has only really ever had the CRV and the Pilot, and I'll I'll tell you right now. I mean, you can look anywhere. The CRV outsells anything from Toyota, you and see them uh, everywhere. yeah, yeah. They, and they do a fantastic job. The new yeah. CRV is by far probably the best uh, Japanese. 
uh, uh, that a midsize SUV on the market uh, for value, for what you get, for interior design, and and through that, Honda clearly had cash flow to create a new vehicle. So what they did, they kind of made a pilot a little bit smaller, just by a few inches. They axed the third row in the pilot, which was you know necessary for a pilot because it was supposed to be a big family hauler. Yeah. Um, and they've made what they're calling the Passport. The Passport was actually uh, originally a Honda SUV that they collaborated with Isuzu back in the 90s. Uh, you'll never see them here in Canada, but if you go in the States, you'll, you can find a lot of people selling these Honda Passports. And they were just like, they, we had them here as Isuzus, but uh, the state side and I think other countries in the world, they were sold as Honda Passports. Um, and it was supposed to be like a durable off-road SUV, a step up from the CRV. Um, that's what they're bringing back. Aesthetically, it's identical to a Pilot, but it does have the new front and rear fascias from the new Pilot, which I think is a great idea because the old Pilot was very frumpy. Mm-hmm. Like they had back in the day, like up until about 2015, they had the the square Pilot, which a lot of people who didn't like Hondas liked that Pilot because it it looked like a big. There, there's not a lot of square vehicles other than a Jeep, but that Pilot was square. I don't know if you remember this one. I'm looking. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like a lot of people got into it. And if you hop behind that thing, you feel like you're driving a little truck. Like it's a it's a big square vehicle. Um, when they came out with the new pilot, they changed that entirely. But mm-hmm, when this I thing came out, that. I remember seeing it. It looked like a minivan. Um, yeah. But the new the new design, right? They've they, they've kept the overall body dimensions uh, relatively the same. It's a but, big vehicle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, this one still is fairly large, even though it's a little bit shorter wheelbase. It's lifted. And it comes with 20s as standard, these uh, all-black 20s. Yeah. Now, again, they, they, they've changed the front and rear fascias to a bit sportier. I think, like, the front grille looks a lot better on the new Pilot and mm-hmm. especially on the new Passport. The rear, I think, looks sporty. It's got the, uh, the dual exhaust, which, mm-hmm. thank God, Honda has finally said we're done with the stupid no exhaust thing. If you look at Hondas, uh, they came out between like 2015, sorry, 2014 and 2016. All the manufacturers are kind of going on that route. Like, For what? Yeah. Just to change, you know what it is? And oh, I, and I, I, I Mercedes did it first with the with the S-Class and then everyone followed. That's what they probably, the press department's probably said it was sleek, but you know why they really did it? So they had something to change later on. Yeah. That's put, 100%. Put exhaust. Exactly. Ooh, look at this upgrade Whoa. exhaust tips. You got to get the new model. It has tips. Yeah. Like, yeah, thank you for cutting holes in the bumper and putting chrome tips. Anyway, it's crazy that that's something that you'd miss. Uh, but I think the new uh, rear fascia of the of the Pilot and, and, and by, you know, by com- comparison or whatever, the, the Passport, it looks really good. Um, it looks sporty. It looks rugged, durable. This thing, as far as its off-roading credentials, I think they they made a mistake by making the interior identical to the Pilot. The Pilot's interior is fairly dainty. When if you're trying to sell a, a very capable vehicle, the Pilot and and Ridgeline um, have very dainty, ergonomic but dainty interiors. Mm-hmm. You know everything is very plasticky. It's very smooth surfaces, not rugged. When you get in an F one fifty. You know, if you spill your coffee, that you're going to be able to wipe it up right away. Um, if you get in a, in a pilot with a nine-speed transmission, if you spill your coffee, your transmission stops working. There's an example of, of a bad uh, design point, right? And not a lot of people know that, but I work it in looks a dealership nice, and it's happened. But it, it, I think it looks better than a Pathfinder, and I think, uh, but I still think that the Toyotas look better. Uh, like the Forerunner, I still think is a much more. Attractive if you're advertising vehicle. like an off-road heavy-duty vehicle, mm-hmm. like not heavy-duty, but like rugged mm-hmm. you got the interior kind of has to match that exactly so you gotta think you're outside in the dirt 
yeah in the mud camping whatever it's gonna see it's gonna see a lot of shit um but here's here's my biggest problem with this car and honda has been plagued by this you honda never goes 10 tenths anymore they used to right when they made the prelude they didn't give a shit that it was like a very small low to the ground car and it was front wheel drive they made the best front wheel drive coupe they could they did that now with the type r with you know they made the best front wheel drive car they could right but then you look at their other vehicles. The, uh, I mean, as far as this Passport, this is not the best off-road midsize SUV they could make. It's another series of of amalgamations of uh, of sort of like, oh well, we can make a we can make a pilot a little bit better off-road, so let's do it and a little bit smaller. But this is still going to be an expensive truck, and you have to ask yourself, who's going to buy this? Hmm. What market is there for this vehicle? Who said, you know what? I like the pilot. It's too big. I like the CRV, but it's too small. Give me something a little bit sportier. Young, young families, I guess, but I don't know, man. I I just don't I don't see this selling well. And I mean, it is limited production. I think our uh, yeah, maybe maybe they have too many, too many uh, models around the same. Like they have too many SUVs right now that are kind of mm. all the same. I not think all the same size, but very close in size. I know it's not it's not in the nature of Honda engineers and designers, but I think if they wanted to make an off road capable or like when I say off road capable, they're not building a Jeep Wrangler. Right. If they wanted to make a sportier, uh, mid size uh, to to large SUV, they could have been a little bit. They could have differentiated the car a little bit. To me, this and the Pilot. They could have just called this the pilot. I was just S. gonna say they they should have just made an off road variant of the pilot. Exactly, like they didn't have to make this its own vehicle. Um, but again, as as good as Honda is, and I know I'm always a fanboy about Honda, but Honda, like you have to admit, they they do have a lot of great ideas. Uh, and 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 silence for Mikey. <laughs> as good as they are, they 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 don't do a good job of releasing new vehicles with excitement. Even the Type R, like they didn't really pump the Type R up to what it what it really is. Mm-hmm. This is a car that that defies the laws of physics. Uh, you know, up until up until the Type R in Europe, people understood how how fast front wheel drive could be because yeah. Peugeot's been making like sure. cup uh, like yep. consumer based cup cars for a long time. But in North America, it's always been a, a disadvantage to have a front wheel drive car until the type R came out and a type R will keep up with an M4 on a small track. Right. Like it, it'll, it'll do some serious damage. Um, so even that, like I feel like they have so much to give uh, or so much attention that they can bring to these models, but they kind of fall short in a lot of ways. Uh, and I think the, the passport is another one of those, one of those things I want to be excited uh, because it's a new model in the lineup and I always get excited for that. But I think it's soft. I think it's squishy, and I think that it should have just been called a Pilot S or a, a Pilot uh, Off Road. Yeah, four by four. Yeah, Pilot Off Road, something, something like that. that. Instead of a you know bringing back an old name that nobody remembers, right? But then again, it's a new car, and mm-hmm. people are attracted to new things. That is also true. But if you have to rely on that, did you really b- uh, build a good product in the first place? That's. Uh, yeah, but you can't just think of it like that. It's just a marketing tactic. People mm-hmm. will say, "Oh, oh, it's just the pilot." I don't really like the pilot. Yeah, but they'll see passport. Oh, maybe that intrigues them to go in. I guess. Yeah, for the guy who says, you know, "Oh, the pilot's too squishy. I don't need three rows of seating. You know, I don't have that yeah. big a family." But then um, they'll see this and be like, "Wow, it's really rugged from the outside and this and that, and the interior is really comfortable and yeah. whatever." That ooh, great. That has been the biggest thing. I don't. You, you probably haven't driven a new Ridgeline or even an old Ridgeline. Never driven a Honda. 
Wow. Other than your accord. Wow. Look which at is, you. Which is great. You uh, Look at you, you aristocrat. Um, <laughs> you forgot the commoner. I drive a pickup truck. But you know what? Um, for someone like our friend Alex, I know he'd never do this. But for someone who drives, he drives, he has he does a lot of driving, um, a yeah. lot of highway driving. Sure. To maintain the F-150 because a lot of like heavy-duty parts and stuff can get expensive. And, and it, you know, it, it, the EcoBoost is nice, but it does use a lot of gas, I think, uh, for the amount of driving he does. Sure. A Ridgeline for someone like that is is a good truck because a Ridgeline is, the mo- is way more comfortable than F-150. Right, for someone that wants a pickup truck but doesn't need a yeah. pickup truck. Yeah, like for, if you're driving at job sites... Uh, and you need you need you know the the durability of something that's not going to scrape and something that won't get stuck in mud and something that has a tailgate you can put tools and stuff into. Sure, the Ridgeline is great for that. A lot of my customers who drive Ridgelines of any year, the uh, the you know the original style, the first generation and the second generation, they're all tradesmen. Yeah, you know, uh, they they all have either their their tra- their owners who don't have to lug around that much stuff, or they're tradesmen who have a very you know simple set of tools and. Believe me, we see ridgelines coming all the time where guys way overload the 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 uh, the tailgate there, mm-hmm. or what would you call it, the box, and you can tell that the rear tires are feathered completely because the the negative camber yeah. on those rear tires is so excessive because of how much weight people are putting mm-hmm. in the back. But that's only on the tires. The rest of the vehicles, in fact, like the brakes don't overheat. The rest of it is over engineered to to be able to handle it. And it's a good it's a good compromise between someone who wants the uh, the practicality of a pickup but wants the comfort of an SUV. Sure. So, and it's in my opinion the only one on the market that does that because I don't know all the pickup trucks now are so plushy inside and comfy. Yeah, but when you have to put leaf springs in the rear, you're never gonna have that ride. You're ne- like I'm telling you, when you get sure. into a Ridgeline, it just feels like an SUV. It doesn't feel like a pickup. And okay, in saying that, Ford's Trucks handle like SUVs until you get to a railroad crossing or some uneven Holy ground. And <laughs> not even, it's like, boom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys can't see, but Mikey just moved the entire table. That's what it feels like. It feels like the ass of your car was in one lane and now it's in yeah. the other lane and then it hops back to the That's other. That's why everyone always upgrade to the fx4 suspension yes yeah yeah 100 percent. it's it, it won't it won't el- el- totally eliminate the problem but it alleviates that jump that N- jumpiness from substantially the like when i went from my fx4 mm-hmm. which had obviously the fx4 suspension mm-hmm. to the platinum which didn't have the fx4 package it was a difference yeah. there's a big difference what and do you know so your dad did, did the same platinum yeah fx4 to a platinum not fx4 and it totally unwillingly he, he had no idea when he got his first platinum that it had the that it had the but FX4. pretty well the dealerships will load it in there yeah. just because people rather buy stuff off the lot so they'll, exactly. put, they'll put it in a lot of them mm-hmm. um but yeah if you get them like towards the tail end of their model year or whatever they'll yeah that was the first thing with the with the limited with the 22 inch wheels it's even worse like uh-huh. you when you hit a bump you like the tires are nothing they're they're just elastic bands yeah. around the rim um actually speaking of my dad i he was thinking about getting the new platinum for a long time or uh, the new limited for a long time um and now he's sort of thinking that when he trades in his limited he's just going to get like a base model like an XLT cuz he won't really okay. need a truck to do I, I anything just anymore i picked up um a 2018 XLT mm-hmm. for like for work, um, and they're pretty good, like yeah. really good. Like this is like base base. It's an XLT, so it doesn't have like the the plastic floor line, and it, it, it's like it has the carpet. Yeah, it has cloth seats, 
No no GPS, no upgraded sound, nothing, mm-hmm. but it still has a decent sized screen with a backup camera. Yeah, they all did standard, standard. Now you have to. Yeah. Um the only option we selected was power doors. Oh wow, you can and still windows. get that's it. You can still get roll up windows and a, and yeah, a, the, 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 the my two fifty has roll up geez. windows. Jeez, what does yeah. that feel like? Does it feel better than the Strange. old roll up? Strange. I hate going through just... drive throughs with it. Oh yeah, get a weight. It's annoying. Crank, but um, no, you can get it like pretty base. Like the like I said, yeah. the only option was a tow package, which is not. I know. Not offered oh. automatically, so we, we we upgraded to the tow package mm. and um, <laughs> power windows and doors. Yeah, and it's still a really good truck. Like I drove it from the dealership to the office, and I was like, "This isn't bad at all." Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's solid. Jeez, um, the reason why my dad started thinking about this—he's been driving. But he the, won't though. No, he's been driving the Frontier. He because he his his limited is leased, and he's putting too many kilometers on when, it. When so you see how expensive the Frontier. a base XLT is, and how little it takes to get into like at least just like a leather. Yeah, yeah. He'll he'll get the, he'll get at least a Lariat. Yeah. Which you he drove might, before the Platinum, right? He had a Lariat. He had a he had a Lariat, yeah, and then a Platinum, and then the Limited. But he he likes driving the Frontier. He he likes just how and you know what? I know it sounds ridiculous, but the Frontier drives really really well. He likes driving it because he can all, just go home and back to his Limited. Trust me, when there's no Limited there, he won't get he won't enjoy. I, driving I can that. I see what you Come mean. Come on, but he he's, maybe he's tired of trucks, man. He's had trucks literally. As long as I've had a father, he's had trucks. So he's never. I know. went. I went. What two years with the S five without a truck? Yeah. And like, the trucks are so, just so good. They're so comfy. They're so big. They're yeah. so like versatile. They're really nice if you want them to look nice. Like, yeah. No. I mean, it, what, just, what they've been so able to versatile. do. And we've spoken about this before. What they've been able to do with it, with pickup trucks has changed the pickup truck market. Yeah. If there was ever an idea that pickup trucks would would fall and that the domestic pickups would would not exist, that's gone. Uh, the deme- like the they're, they're the, all the big so good. Three, yeah, have have really come out with fantastic products in the last decade. And I'm sure if you get into like a GMC, mm-hmm. it'll feel even more like an SUV. I think. Yeah. They just feel more like Escalade, more plushy. Interiors. Yeah. Yeah. Ford does have a lot of they like got hard the bigger plastics. chrome rims yeah. and this and that, and but I don't know. Yeah. He won't. He won't get a, well, a regular XLT. I'm sure we'll have a whole. Maybe we'll have my dad on the show and and hear his very controversial uh, <laughs> okay. opinions on things. Um, but let's move on. See, here, wait, here's the thing. My yeah. dad had that same same thought. He had he had navigators for so long. Yes, over and over those. navigators all <laughs> oh the way from God. the Are We There Yet navigator Ice to Cube. to the last gen, mm-hmm. not the current ones, the one right before this navigator, um, where the quality was still like subpar to Ford. <laughs> Sure, but it was before the 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 catfish whiskers. Yeah, navigator. oh my god! It was yeah. before that one, so it was still like the big chrome front grill. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, after that one, he he was upset with the stupid um, uh, side side steps, steps yeah. freezing, and oh my god, the amount of times the air suspension went on those things. <laughs> anyways, he so he got into a platinum. And then he was like, "Oh, I don't need a big vehicle anymore because my sisters moved out, whatever, and they didn't, they they weren't around, or whatever. We're all older now." He's like, "I'm just gonna get a pickup truck for work." So he got a platinum, and then he was like, "Oh, this is too big. I don't need this." And he got an, a Q5. <laughs> he regretted it since that day. The Q5, and that's why my dad got rid of our Q5. He couldn't fit in it anymore. Our both of our dads are are more are taller than six feet. Yeah, my dad's six. I think six feet. The yeah. the Q5 is an SUV, but it's built on the A4. 
So it's yeah, not like it, when big. I when I drive it, it feels like driving my S5. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's I like I would fit. I when I used to drive my mom's Q5, I actually wanted to buy the Q5 off her. Um, thank God I didn't. You want to buy an SQ5? No. <laughs> uh, but you know me and me and Vanessa, my girlfriend, we fit in in that car. The it's Q3 nice, it's, it's, is too small for it's me. It's a really nice vehicle. Like it, it's mm. it's sporty. It's got the yeah. cool quilted seats. I think it's, it's the best drive. That was that was a great driving SUV, a compact SUV. When great driving compact SUVs didn't exist because sure. they engineered it. Like I remember, my mom had a 2012 model, yeah. and I, when I got in, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like she had a Lexus before that, which was like driving a bag of rice. And I'm, I'm not like no no cultural uh, joke there, but it was very like. It's like squishy and you when you put your foot down on the gas the smell of sulfur from the catalytic converters it smelled like someone just shit their pants yeah. like it was a very like quirky quirky car but getting into the q5 it knew what it was like you turn the wheel yeah. and it fucking, it sporty was, yeah like it has some pep the only thing it's is nice. it chewed through tires like crazy because it's front wheel biased so the front wheel tires would just get destroyed because it was an aggressive really? little suv my dad's put over sixty thousand k on it, and they're saying he still has seven mil left on his brakes. Wow! Which I, he brought it in to get new brakes because they mm-hmm. were squeaking like crazy, like bad. Mm-hmm. So he's he brought it in. He's like, oh, don't even don't even check the brakes. Just put new ones in. And they call him back. And they're like, you have like seven mil left on all four. And he's like, impossible. And they're like, well, they do. <laughs> and I told him, like, trust me, they want to give you new brakes. Yeah, they, like, they, I'm surprised they even called. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean that's so, something I would do. I'm I very surprised sure. that they've lasted a lot. Like my my S5 brakes. Well, I drove differently, mm-hmm. but um, I think like after like 50 or 45, 50, I changed them. You went through that car quick. You know, it feels it's like still it's still around. Short. It's still around. Yeah, that's right. Your brother has it now. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's because you, you, you did he so much reg- to make it great. I know, isn't it great? I'm happy. What he we, wants his Golf R back. Oh. I wish I was in the position to buy that car when you guys were selling it because that is such a good car. I, I might take it back from him. The S5? Yeah. I wouldn't do that. The Golf R is better no, than like that S5. No, like keep just for the summer. See, so you, you flip-flop so much, my dude. <laughs> you, you, make, you make this podcasting difficult because of how much you flip-flop. Um, <laughs> no one knows what's going on. Yeah, what the hell? How many? Does he still own it? I checked last time, so he didn't have it. He sold anymore. it. Yeah, he sold it to my brother. But I'm <laughs> taking it back. <laughs> no, All the I, back I, I, I wouldn't. I, I can't yeah. afford that. Um. I think I think if you're gonna put money into a sports car, you've already had the S5. You got bored of it. Do an uh, do a proper sports car. I don't like, think I got bored of it. I think it's just it, you got bored of it as a daily. Yeah, of course. But that's what that car is. That car is meant to be that, a daily. That's the thing, and I made it not a daily. <laughs> yeah, well, he, no. he, he threw winters on it. He's driving it. Yeah, although I mean, we haven't had much snow. Yeah, it's been it's been a very mild winter. I could have I could still be riding the Vespa if I really wanted to. It was like I plus saw a guy seven on a Vespa the other day. Okay, a real Vespa or like a no, uh, like a modern. Okay. Like not moped. Like, not moped. Like a mo- Because there's modern Vespas, which are expensive. No, 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 no. no. It wasn't a Vespa. Okay. A brand. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, so then there was like a Daymac rinky dink. It wasn't Daymac. Electric I think battery. it was Honda. Honda like has a big Vino. scooters. Like Honda, those big Honda scooters. sold a Vino. It's called a Vino, and it, it looks like a little Vespa, but it's very, very small. Vino? Yeah. That's a little racist. Yeah, I know, right? Wow. Like they really knew their market. Um, but let's move on. This tangent, uh, you know, what a, a tangent for, for the last out. thing of 2018. You know, Anthony, I have to. You know, Anthony. I have to. Anyway, we're talking about pickup trucks. It's important for us to talk about what is essentially the best pickup truck on the market coming to market soon. The 2020 Jeep Gladiator, Mikey. What do oh. you think about that, my friend? Jeez. 
I had no idea where you were going with that. Really? Yeah. I was, love that. I love like building, I said, I building it up. <laughs> so, well, okay. While you pull up like, the what, 2020 what, what Jeep Gladiator. are we talking about? No, no. When you, while you pull up the, the 2020 yeah, Jeep Gladiator, I will, I will talk about it. Now, this came out at the LA Auto Show, which we missed because we were on our little break there, our little holiday break. But obviously, there's a new Jeep out, the new Jeep Wrangler. We, we've talked about it on the on the podcast before. We've seen it in person. I, we, I, think, I think they did a great yeah. job yeah. on the new Good Jeep. Upgrades. Um, yeah, especially because we knew the old model pretty well, and it was dying for a Yeah, change. Anthony has destroyed many of Jeep Wranglers. Don't even day. say that. Okay, flooded well, and molded. Okay, flooded is one thing they're built for that. What they should not put is perforated seats in a Jeep. You don't need a place for water to hide, right? You, yeah. It should be able to come well, out right away. You broke it, Anthony. I didn't break it. Shout out to that to that Jeep Wrangler and the and the wonderful family. It got brought back it. to the Jeep dealership, <laughs> and they bought it for like 25, 30 grand. It must because it's a special edition. U.S. Special edition, and they didn't know it about like 50, the bacteria. It had like 50,000 miles. Yeah, did it have yeah. It was like it was up there. It had a lot of miles. It had it had a lot of things, including a bacteria colony living in the seeds. And it was freshly molded a couple <laughs> months before that. <laughs> exactly. Um, My so, gosh. Anyway, we we have a love for Jeeps, as you guys can the tell. Gladiator. They, they've they've used the new um, the new Wrangler as a base to build a uh, what, what what would you call this a, a Jeep SUV a, a Jeep SUV or uh, an SUEP. Uh, a sweep <laughs> anyway believe it or not jeep had a pickup truck before this one they uh in 1992 they had the xj uh cherokee based comanche i'm getting this off of road and track so if if i'm not pronouncing that properly comanche that's their fault um but anyway so since 1992 they haven't sold a pickup truck i wonder what happened to all those comanches because i haven't seen a jeep pickup in a very very long time back in 2005 with the previous gen uh, Wrangler, when it came out, they released a concept for a Gladiator. They called it Gladiator, and it looks similar to what we have today. But what you see today is a basically a fully cabbed Wrangler, uh, like a four-door full cab Wrangler with a, what does that look like, five-foot box? Yeah, it can't be yeah. anything more. Yeah, a five-foot box on the back. And, I mean, uh, well, just like aesthetics, uh, I think it looks good. I think it's a pretty cool uh, concept. Um, look at the rear look at the bed like you can't tell me like that looks like a futuristic pickup truck i think that is probably the best um point uh, of reference on the car sure it, it looks like something do you ever do you ever watch that movie the island no there's this movie in the year in the mid 2000s called the island with um who's that british guy who loves motorcycles mr meant, bean no uh adv bikes hugh something Hefner. no Jack anyway or, in the island <laughs> Uh, it's supposed to take place in the dysto- in the dystopian future. And do you remember the Chevy HHR, or maybe it wasn't the HHR, the Chevy yeah, yeah. S- the Chevy pickup the truck. The HHR is that, that little the station yeah. wagon, the hearse. No, yeah. the Chevy pickup truck. Yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. They, that was like the pit. The, that was like a regular pickup truck. Yeah. In, in that in that uh, thing, they use that as like a concept or like a, a futuristic what a pickup truck could be. Yeah. It's the ugliest thing in the world, and I, I only know one guy in Georgina. Uh, that's north of Toronto. For those of you who don't know, who who owns one, and he parks it outside. It has flames on the side, like factory nice, flames. Nice. Uh, it's all black. Like you could tell, he that was the pride and joy back in two thousand and six. It, it's actually interesting that you brought up a movie that you think of when you see this, because I was going to say Interstellar. You know when when they're on, yes. the, when they're on the farm and yeah. He's dry- I picture this and that. I don't know why. Well, because I just it, picture it looks really futuristic. Like, it, sorry, I should Yeah, driving his. <laughs> his Wrangler. That, you know what? That impression was honestly all right, all right, all right. Um, 
know. Sorry. I had to. So I know what you mean by that because it looks futuristic, but it looks attainably futuristic, and that's like, what I like about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Like it could, and it does exist, right? They they did a good job. In the rear, in the front, it looks like a regular uh, Wrangler. And you know what? I'll be honest. I don't. I'm not digging the soft top. Why the hell would you want this in soft top? You can get it hard top. Yeah, you can get it hard top. I know, but like, have you seen the soft top? It looks terrible. Honestly, I have not. Uh, if oh, you right scroll here. down to yeah, the, the leaked like photos, leaked, right? This is yeah, but that's article. probably you can probably um, get that as an option on to, like on top of it. They might just offer it with a hard top, and then this is an option. Yes, like, I'm sure like they a do. Quick, like if you're like you know in the Sahara for like a week, and you just want of course. Quick. I I do think it's cool that you can take the roof off of your pickup. I think that's pretty cool. Sure, but I think they shouldn't have done four doors. They should have done half door. No, no, no. I no, think because you're it's, too, make this... it's too long, and because it's a pretty narrow vehicle to begin with. Yeah, it's too long. Yeah, but Jeeps have never been known for being uh, for like the engineers saying, "Hey, we shouldn't do this because it's unaerodynamic." <laughs> we shouldn't. No, do no, this no, no, be no. Uncomfortable. I'm, I'm <laughs> looking like purely aesthetic. Yeah. Forget about aerodynamic. I like it. I like it. Because it looks like a Jeep with a bed on the back, and it was done well. It doesn't you know? It, it looks like an elongated and narrow Hummer. You know what it looks like to me? Uh, poor man's six by six. Yes. Add another wheel. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Look at the look at the way the the haunch comes no, over yeah, the yeah, bed. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, sure. But it's like, a six by six. Tell Alex, sell the F one fifty. Get a poor man's six by six, or which is a four by four. What our dear friend. I'm saying that he should, you know, his his F-150 is, is uh, it's getting. He's it's listening getting, to this right now. I hope he's listening to this. I love the Definitely man. And yeah, he doesn't listen to our podcast. I hope he he's not listening because we hate him. <laughs> Alex. And now we'll know if he listens or not because he'll bring this up. <laughs> new F-150s uh, are nice, but I like this truck. And I know it's quirky and hilarious and you're probably never going to buy it. But I hope someone I do, I know does because it's kind of, it's, it's really, really funky. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's. Any, did you have any uh, anything else you want to talk about in the car world, or should we uh, should we scurry on in the over car to world? world? Yeah. Anything happened to you recently? Nothing happened to me. I'm just. I'm saying. I said that was, like I was, was there probing. Anything special in the. Hmm, Anthony. No. No. Yeah, me too. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't really. <laughs> Mikey's got some massive pitters going on right now. I'm sorry if I've exposed you. Uh, but let me uh, let, let's move on to watches, and um, I'll get us started with a uh, with a comp, comp. I was gonna say complimentary. It's not complimentary. What's it? What, what's it called? Um, I know what you're trying to say. But yeah, I, I don't know words. I know. <laughs> I don't know no words. Uh, anyway, wristwatch check. I got the Seamaster 300 Professional on the Bond NATO. Played out. Played out. Ew! <laughs> get out of here. Not played out. I've gotten so many compliments about this watch. On this strap, and you know what? It's I just a week ago I took it off the bracelet. Uh, if you follow us on Instagram, you'll see. On the bracelet, it was it's a fa- it was a fantastic watch. I actually upgraded the you, yeah yeah whatever. I know. Sorry, it's not a Rolex, Mikey. Um, on the bracelet, it's it's I fantastic. Like, I don't like bracelets. Bracelets are good. That watch on there, that's attractive. Yes, thank you. I agree. This watch, the case especially, you can only really appreciate the case design. Once it's on a, once it's off of the bracelet, because the bracelet's pretty chunky and hefty. Mm-hmm. But also the biggest thing, and I made, I, I pointed reference to this on our Instagram post when I had it on the leather strap. Uh, that is actually a Ming leather strap, like it worked with the watch pretty well. Um, the biggest thing, one of the biggest complaints about uh, the previous generation um, Seamaster 300 that I have is that the bezel is you have to wrench it to turn it. Yeah. And maybe you have to wear it in a little bit, but I mean, you shouldn't have to wrench it the way I used to have to wrench it. The only reason I had to wrench it is because the factory bracelet comes up so high on the case, 
it gives you no leverage over the bezel. Right. The minute you take that off, you and can you, grip the side of it. You can grip the side and you can turn it because the of course you can grip the other sides. But the but case no, is there. Yeah. So you typically go with the at the twelve and the six when you're about to turn your your fingers, your your mm-hmm. in, your index finger and your thumb finger go with the twelve and the six respectively, and that's where you turn from. Wow. It is beautiful bezel action. Super. Like the feel is really nice, but there is a there's a little bit too much play. They fixed that on the new three hundred, which if we go look at some watches after, I'll show you. That was a big letdown for me. Okay. If there's a mod that I can put those springs or that action into this, I think the 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 case is a little bit different size, but mm-hmm. I would love to do that mod because that this the play in the bezel, like this was an expensive watch in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The play in the bezel is is similar to that of like my my tag aqua racer does not have that play. My tag aqua racer is is a solid firm action. How is it Omega not how are they not able to do that on this watch? Especially because I bought it right at the end of the lifespan. So it's not like this This wasn't used. It was brand new. And it was at the end of this generation. They had time to, yep. you know, do R&D. And I'm sure people complained. But I can always send it in. I think the the year warranty is almost up. And I found out that they extended the, the or two-year warranty. I don't know. Whatever the warranty was, I found out they extended it. I bought this in May of 2018. If I had bought it in August. Oh, they made it longer? They made it longer for all models. <laughs> So I'm definitely going to contact them and say, hey, hey, losers, uh, you know, I, I bought this months before you introduced that. Can you at least give me that for my purchase? Like, sure, yeah. you know, that's kind of a dick thing to do, Omega. Well, they got to do it at some time. It's just coincidence that you bought it. Right of course. At that time. How do they not know that, that one of the co-editor in chiefs at Time Lapse Podcast was buying a, an entry level Seamaster? How do they not know about that, Mikey? They did it out of spite. I don't know. The, the, the more like an editor in chief. Uh, Assistant in training. Get the hell out of here. Assistant to the founder and president. You're going to make me vomit my espresso, so please. Um, and what who about made you? you that espresso? The founder, the founder and president. <laughs> All right. Um, um, ooh, 50 minutes. Okay. Um, what am I wearing? You say we're, we're at the 50-minute mark? Okay. Yeah, we are. Jeez. Let's wrap this up. Yeah. People don't want any of that. Of course, of course. Um the Oris Pro Pilot Air Racing Edition, the special edition. You know how they release every watch as a special yes. edition. Yes. Of uh, his number one six one of one thousand. Um, wow, that's that sounds like you paid too much for it. It's <laughs> it's showcased on a beautiful black and red silicone part. That is my band. favorite part about that. that what watch. a great strap. Yeah. And how great is it that it's the, literally the exact same pattern mm-hmm. and everything as the OEM strap, which is you have terrible. to post a picture of that on. Um, on Instagram, you have to talk. I about think I that took a picture of both side by side and I sent it to you. Yeah, yeah. back but when I got this, but like man, Barton straps, great. I I need Fantastic. to get a couple. You want to you want to know what else is great about them? Come with two strap lengths in the packaging. Really? So this is the long one, of yeah. course, for our big wrist fellows, and um, it comes with a shorter strap. You have oh, but only one side. Yeah, so yeah. you you get the the, the buckle side is mm-hmm. the same, mm-hmm. and then they give you the um, well, I don't know what we would call this, but the yeah, the the the, the, uh, the non buckle side, the yeah, sure. interval side, the bottom one. Yeah, um, that comes in two lengths. So Does it also have one. the push pin spring bar? Oh man! All of their straps have. I push got. Bar, I'm push that's spring. that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm going on Barton straps. I'm going to buy some because let me know because I will nice order silicone. more. Yeah, they are so good. And I saw someone post about them that ordered them. I forget who. Oh, um, furry wrists abroad. Yes. Yes. Um, if one you of our follow follow him on Instagram, uh, I think he was the one. If 
you weren't, and I apologize, but I think I saw that on Instagram yeah. that you had ordered some. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are so good. I love them. Yeah, no, honestly, feeling it and, and the look of it is It's silicone, fantastic. so like it's not like a tough rubber. Yeah. But um, they, do, they, they make leather bands. They make mm-hmm. NATO straps. They make all sorts of things. I would be more than happy to give them some of my dollars. And they make what appears to be really good tools. Oh, nice. Like they look a lot better than the overpriced Hodinky ones mm-hmm. that I've bought in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm wearing. Nice, nice. Uh, I gotta and say now I can wear it more because the strap is, cause the strap that comes with this watch, yeah. oh my God, it's so It bad. was a nice idea, but it, it, in execution, it, it obviously failed. Super uncomfortable, really chintzy mm-hmm. piece because it's, it's like a nylon strap mm-hmm. with a quick release. Um, granted, maybe if my wrists were smaller, it would have fit better. It's a big obviously. watch though. So but I think uh, it, it, it that that watch is built for big wrists. Yeah, it's a pro pilot, so well, it's a larger. Watch, so it's a little. It's a forty-five mil. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, it's super uncomfortable. Like it was a nylon, but then underneath it, we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. It's a really chintzy thing of leather sewed to the back. Like it was. It was. That's bad. what you typically get from OEM. Like they're not yeah. giving you quality straps usually. Oh yeah, and that out of the box. You know when I'm looking when like I'm looking Omega at watches. I really don't look at the straps or mm-hmm. what they're on unless it's a bracelet. Um, if it's a bracelet, I'll kind of look at it more. But if it's on like a, a leather strap or something, yeah. don't even look at it because they can easily be replaced by great companies like Barton Straps. Yeah, very true. We're not sponsored. Not Although sponsored. If you want to. One day, you never know. Um, but let's move into uh, into some of our topics for today. So at our last Red Bar meet, uh, we were actually, we got to met uh, meet uh, one of the vendors there, uh, Laco uh, Watches. Mm-hmm. And Laco... If you've never heard of it, uh, don't worry because it's a fairly small company on the grand scheme of things. They've been around for a while. Since 1925, but they were recently brought back. Um, right. The same way Invicta was brought back, much to the dismay of many watch enthusiasts. We all know what Invicta stands for today. But a lot of these older Swiss brands are reinvigorated um, by investors uh, to, to to bring back the quality uh, Swiss piece at a, at a mm-hmm. budget, right? And what Laco uh, really specializes in are their their pilots watches i think that's what they were known for what you know way back um it, the original german pilots watch right uh but they also make divers now we got to see their diver it was it was a pretty interesting piece the bezel action was really nice i recall that we posted it in the story um and i think if you're looking if you're a big pilots watch guy and you want something different like you don't want to get a zin or you don't want to you know you don't you can't afford an iwc this is prob this is a really good brand to look at um I'll be honest, handling the watches, I'm sure you noticed, they're very bare bones. Like there's not a whole lot going on. Mm-hmm. A lot of the case design is very, you know, minimalistic. It's tool. And one watch. thing that was pointed out to us was that it, it holds to the like traditional mm-hmm. um, Flieger case design. Yes. A lot of the modern Flieger like heritage homage. That's a lot of things put in one sentence. Mm-hmm. The old like old style f- Flieger watches that are made nowadays are kind of modernized. Yeah. Um, with like curved uh, lugs and to whatnot. To be more comfortable. Right. Yeah. Whereas this one keeps with like the straight lugs and other things that, mm-hmm. that the old watches used to do. See, what people don't, like people are in love with the style today because it's vintage yep. and, and people love vintage right now. Uh, but what they don't understand is like pilots watches were tools, right? And yep. if, you, if you've seen Dunkirk and you, and you see how Tom Hardy uses his watch, uh, you know, a lot of these pilots' watches you needed you needed to know time, mm-hmm. uh, and in some cases they were you know they had t- uh, telemeters which could uh, conduct speed if your instruments failed. The same stuff that people use in racing, 
are used to using racing and vintage racing. Um, but they were tools. So uh, one of the, the the watch that we're going to talk about today is a special edition watch. Um, that And the reason why I think we should talk about it is because it's a really interesting looking piece. And one yeah, of the something. co-designers was a guy who's a part of Red Bar Toronto. Um, I forget his name. Teenage Grandpa. Me. Teenage Grandpa. Uh, yeah. Really, uh, really funny guy. Really interesting guy. Yep. Um, I, I, I'd love to have him on the podcast uh, one day. We definitely got to reach out to him. Uh, but he actually co-designed uh, or helped with the design of this watch. And it is a, it's a, it's a Laco piece, Laco Pilot's watch. Yep. Uh, in the, in the style of the Fallout video games. Yeah. Um, you know, how he he can he explained to us, you know, how that came about, but it's definitely like an intriguing piece to look at. Uh I, there's there's so much lore the, going on. The pictures really don't it, it, it like it's a lot to mm. to grasp when you're looking at it. Yes. Like all the d- discoloration and the mm. whatever. Even like when you see the 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 thread on the on the strap, it's kind of like blue. It looks weird in, in, in pictures. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Yes. When you see it in person, it's a lot different. All those things that are really brought out in like color and mm-hmm. pictures are not the same yeah. in person. It's more, a lot more subtle. It fa- it fades back a little bit. Right. Um. Actually, let me see if I have some photos of it on my phone. Because, yeah, like these these photos were taken to really demonstrate how much design went into the yeah. this watch. But uh, realistically, like, yeah, if you oh, actually can't believe I didn't take any pictures of it. I took pictures of uh, of Mark's Porsche design IWC, but I didn't take pictures of this. Um, it, it's a really, really cool piece. It's on a bund strap, which is one of the most uh, recognizable features. And um, Mikey, I was actually I, what I wanted to tell you about the history of the bund strap. A lot of people don't understand why they exist. And of course, we don't have a visual medium to show you guys. But the bund strap is a leather a leather piece like a flat piece of leather that sticks behind the watch case and is a part of the strap as a whole so you would have like a, imagine a regular watch strapped to your wrist and underneath between your skin and the case is this this thick piece of leather yeah. fabric or whatever um what they use pilots use this in world war ii because if the plane caught on fire uh or you know you're starting to heat up in the cabin if there was a fire and they had to evacuate the case the metal on the case would heat up okay. too and it would burn your gotcha. wrists. So you needed some form of protection from, you know, uh, the heat, the yeah. heat uh, especially from the watch case. So that's where the bunch strap uh, finds its heritage in. Um, but uh, in this case, I think it's used more for that rugged utility, like it, just to give it that that sense of, well, this is someone in the follow game. This is the watch they use because it's, uh, you know, it's a watch you got you to gotta run around a, a, a dystopian wasteland wearing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it, I like that they did that. I think Laco has other watches on bun straps because it's, you know, they, they, they do play with that heritage, uh, with heritage pieces. Um, but, uh, definitely, definitely an interesting looking watch. Fairly expensive. Yeah. If we're, if we're being honest. Um, but we said that about Bershaw and Taylor. I'll be honest, like mm, seeing the Bershaw and Taylor okay, made whoa, more whoa, sense whoa, though. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why, why don't you go ahead and give your opinion instead of just woeing me? You can't compare the two. Oh, okay, yeah. the the Bershaw the Bershaw and Taylor watch is a is a thing of like a a product of passion, right? And 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 you know, two guys following out their their um their what do you, what would you call it their idea? Yeah. The same way that you know, um, Mr. Pagani. Uh, oh no, what's his name? Horatio Pagani. Horatio, yeah. You know, one man's idea 
into form. Same thing with Conan's egg. One yeah. man's idea into form. And I know that, you know, I'm not trying to, to pump them up or anything, but that's what Bershawn said. Those two guys got together. They built a beautiful yep. luxury dress watch. This is clearly more of a marketing thing, but in the same in the same sense, like it's it's a very specific, very niche watch that comes at quite a premium. And it, and it, you know the the typical enthusiast will say, "Oh, I like the look of that watch. How much does it cost? Can it could it be something I could I could entertain?" And then you find out it's six thousand US. Is that what it is? No, three thousand US. Oh, I thought it was six. Okay, maybe three thousand US is about like five thousand Canadian. So 4, I was like, Canadian. Are you doing? Did you just do the conversion rate? Wow, then I've I've really missed out on a lot of buys because if I see something, if I, if I see like a vintage uh, Speedy online for like like I don't know twenty five hundred US. Then I'm like, oh, that's like five thousand Canadian. <laughs> Twenty two hundred? Yeah. Three thousand. All right. I hate you. Well, anyway. <laughs> no, it's uh it's an interesting piece. No, it's, I, it it's was, a lot of money for it. Um yeah. I think like I was expecting seeing how much like because th- this mo- this is based off of a pre existing LACO model. Yeah. Um seeing how much that model is and how much it goes for. How much was like, that? Model? I think like twelve hundred tw- yeah. US, like twelve, yeah. twelve, maybe in between like twelve and thirteen, the case isn't the case isn't artificially like rusted and and you know dinged up, right? And, and they put a lot of obviously a lot of time into the yeah. design for this, mm-hmm. and I think they're only making like one hundred and forty three watches or something. So yes. they need to make back that money. Obviously, they're not. It's not a charity. They mm-hmm. got to make money some yeah. way. Um, but it's a I don't know. That's a lot to stomach to, to spend three thousand US. If I think I think I think I saw twenty nine fifty US. The person buying this is the, is the person who. One loves pilots watches, and two is a huge Fallout fan, because they actually they're they're saying here, enter the Fallout game. This is on Laco's website. Enter the Fallout gaming universe with the Laco Radox uh, watch as a unique and detailed artifact. When you have to say unique and detailed artifact, you're appealing to the lore know, surrounding the game. I don't know. I, I like the idea of it. It's it's cool. Yeah, but it's mm-hmm. hard to 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 even think of who would be buying this for for that yeah. amount of money. But um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. No, it's uh, I, you got to see it in person. Yeah, it, 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 you you see all the detail in it and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. It's um, it, it's a it's a pretty interesting piece. Yeah, uh, twenty nine fifty US. Twenty nine fifty. Wow. Yeah, a lot of money. Um, and you get more than just a watch. You get like a display box and mm-hmm. some like mm-hmm. artifacts and stuff like that from the game. But yeah. again, it's cool to see um a brand like Laco supporting something like this. Which is sort of just like allowing a couple of people to like you know do what they want uh, with one of your watches and then and then putting it on your website. There's there's bound to be people out there who are who are really interested in this and yep. and I think well, it's a, if if you look at the comments under the a blog to watch because they did this in collaboration with a blog to watch. Yes, that's right. Um, everyone is a fan of it. People, yeah. there's some people saying uh, really creative, not my taste, but I'm sure it'll do well. Yeah. Other people saying this is awesome ordered one whatever mm-hmm. everyone is pretty into it yeah definitely um and laco was a brand i mean hell uh, look at this they, they got a they got an explorer uh watch and by that i mean that the case you know, i mean it says time for explorers the navy watches uh the case design is very reminiscent of a rolex explorer explorer one um you know uh, those are those are some interesting pieces like i think i i'm not a huge pilot watch guy um, mainly because most most proper pilots watches look a little bit dumb on my wrist, but see, and I think that's why I'm always attracted to them. Yeah, because you do have that larger size that you can fill out. 
Um, but if you look at Laco's like um, Navy watches, the Navy Thirty Six, I think, is a really, really interesting model. It's really yeah. We saw pretty. we saw a couple cool yeah. pieces that they had there. They even had like a fifty one mil yeah. pilot's watch that Woo! looked like uh, Flavor Flav would Flav. have an interest yeah. in that. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, definitely check them out. Definitely check out Laco, especially if you're a fan of pilot's watches. Um, moving on to another watch that comes on a bund strap. A watch oh, that I really like. Here we go. The, uh, Anthony's going gonna, in the wagon. I'm going to say, I'm going to call it new, but Mikey obviously knows it's not new. Um, if you're a Paneristi, you you may or may not like this watch. It's a little bit controversial. The PAM00779, affectionately known as the California Dial 8-Day. Is that what it's a, I'm not a Paneristi, so I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a California this is Dial, a and it's an 8-Day. This is a, from the Luminor. Luminor. Yeah, so the last California dial they did was ooh, 2016. Mm-hmm. The Pam 629, I think it was. I think that's because you you really like that I one. And I really like that yeah. one. That, it was around the same time when I bought my um, But it wasn't as, my as Pam bare bones. It wasn't as minimalistic. Well, the, 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 the 629 was from their Radomir line. Yeah. So it was on a distressed Asulo Domente strap. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. And... Um, Obviously, it was just a pillowcase design. Yeah. Um, it also didn't have small seconds right as well. No. It, there was something else on the dial. Like it was a cluttered dial. I don't Not think cluttered, so. but it was. It wasn't as minimalist as this. Don't think so. Okay. Well, you can double check that. Um, yeah. I, I, and for those of you who are not Paneristes, the way to, to to most of the time to to oh, differentiate six two nine. What? What? Which one was that? Wow. That's the other California dial. That's. You've brought Ooh. shame upon your upon your house. I know. I'm sorry. I don't know my references. <laughs> um, um, I'm going to explain the, the most obvious thing. When you're looking between Panerai's uh, and you're looking between the Luminor and the Radomir, Luminors tend to have the case, uh, or sorry, the crown guard, that bat, that big uh, Panerai crown guard. Luminors tend to be a little bit more dressy, and they don't. They have large crowns, but they don't have the crown guards. The Luminors have the crown guards. Sorry, the Radomirs don't have the crown guards. They're the pillowcase. The Luminors also come in a pillowcase, but they'll have the crown guards still. Exactly. Or they'll come in the big round chunky case. Yeah. So we're talking here about a Luminor. Mm -hmm. Um, Got the crown guard. The pillowcase on this looks very small. Well, that's how how the Luminors are. With the ones with... They're small? No. Well, if that it, looks like a, maybe because it's on the bun strap. So to me, it looks very small. It's a 44 mil. Okay. Case. So still, still the older um, Panerai's. I just got it here. I'm just trying to find the reference. 424. Mm-hmm. That's the one that I was looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a Radomir design. That, w- that was a 47 mil. Wow. And even the 629, I think, was a 47 mil. So I love the 44. The whole reason why I like this watch is because I saw it on Craniotes' wrist. Craniotes. Craniotes. I don't whatever. know how to pronounce his name. I saw it on his wrist and. You know, even on even on the bun strap that he had it on, like it still looked like a, rel- a relatively smaller, regular sized watch. Sure, but you got to see it like in person and yeah. with the the um, the crown guard. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty big. It's significant. It's significant. Yeah, because I have average size wrists. Sure, mine are not small. They're not big. They're just average. Um, I've seen small wrists before and that's how I know mine are average. Like oh. one of the guys we met at red bar. Um, I forgot, you know what? I'd love to give him a shout out on Instagram, but I forget his handle. He, he has relatively small wrists and he just bought his, um, his like, his like goal watch or what would you call it? His uh grail grail watch. Sorry. Um, and it was a speedy. I, it's not the reduced. It's, it's a, I think a 42. 
Um, and or is it forty one or forty two? What they offer speedies in? It's a it's 41. a it's a professional, so it's like the heritage looking one. Yeah. Um, and it's quite large on his wrist. Like it is quite large. Uh, and then you got me that tried one on. It looks like a penny, <laughs> a quarter, goddamn quarter. Um, it, it really. It really, you know, it really depends. I, something like this, I think I could wear, and I'd love to go to Panerai and try on something like this. Again, outside of my price range, I'm not, I'm not, you know, ready to spend nine thousand Canadian on on this piece, but still, it's an interesting watch to say to say nonetheless. Um, how do you feel as a Paneristi about this piece? Because it's got I always like the, I always like the California dials. Yeah, um, I and I know that on the on the podcast before I've probably talked a lot of shit about the California dials. California meaning that the top of the of the case is Roman numeral. The bottom, sorry, yeah, Roman numeral. The bottom is Arabic. Um, but okay, I I I more didn't like the story because the story you told me about why that may have been a random story that I just found it doesn't online. even make sense. It doesn't even make sense. Can I'm going to retell your story from my perspective? Hold on, wait, 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 wait. You're going to try and find it. Well, you try to find it. No, no, no. We're gonna we're gonna end to this right now of the, of the California dial. Um, what I will say is that the watch that got me into the California dial was the Nomos Club um, Nacht. Nacht meaning like dark. It's a German Nomos, a German yeah, brand. What do, what do they call it? Like DLC or something? DCL. That's diamond like coating. Yeah, that's what that one is. No. Yeah. No. It's a DLC. What's a D? What what DLC is it? Like what diamond like coating on what? The case? No, it's a sil- it's, a, it's a steel polished case. The, the it, Nomos? It, oh no, I'm talking about the Panerai. Oh yeah, yeah. This is a DLC. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's show. I'm listening. Hey. Um. Anyway, so on the Nomos, it, it, it has a California dial, right, with the Roman numeral on the at the top half of the case, uh, Arabic numeral on the bottom half, and I really, really like that because it was a very sporting, interesting dial. Mm-hmm. When I start, and and obviously that's really cool. The the club. Um, that that specific uh, watch, and it's the only Nomos watch I know that comes with the California dial, is still relatively expensive for what it is. Like that's a base entry level. It's it's meant to be bought as a graduation gift. That's why you can option it with either the the sapphire uh, on the sapphire crystal on the case back to see the manually wound um, in house movement, or you can get a stainless steel case back blank uh, for for an engraving uh, to go in the middle. But it's still like, you know, about 1,500 Canadian, even on the used market. You're still looking at, you know, over 1,000 Canadian. Mm-hmm. I didn't really want to spend that money, but I would more, I would justify buying a, my first Panerai in California dial because I, I really do like that dial. I think it's a very interesting, especially what they've done here with the blue hands mm-hmm. and like, uh, and that aged loom um, on the hands. It's a very pretty piece. What do you think? Are you still trying to find the story of, of the California dial? Yeah, someone had a funny comment here. Mm-hmm. They said, um, what is the purpose of the California dial? Um, and Mikey I don't have responded. a clue. I guess some people enjoy ugly. Wow. Yeah, you were telling me people didn't like this. They don't like this this piece. Yeah, a lot of people are saying like it's a part spin piece. It's a sorry excuse for a special edition. It's not really a special edition, but yeah. a new edition. I don't know. Yo, Theo and Harris coming up with the... What is a California dial? Yo, shout out to Theon, Theon Harris. Yo, Thank Theon you, guys. Carrots. So this uh, this model is water resistant to 300 meters. That's it? Equipped with sapphire crystal and powered by a manufacturer movement. Uh, beats 21.6. Eight, eight day power reserve. Eight, eight day uh, double barrel system. So I guess because the, the Ming uh, 1901 has a double barrel system as well. Mm-hmm. That's not an eight day, I don't think. It's a 100 hour power reserve. 
How many days is a hundred hours? It's four. It's about four days. Um, I guess that's the secret. Having double barrel, I guess it allows you to to spread the energy over a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, while you're still looking for the, the secret to the, uh, to the California dial. So there's a couple theories. Mm -hmm. There's three theories. Let's let here. Tell me. And we're going to have to fill this dead space. (laughs) Okay. It's not what I was saying. The story was that must've been just some, I'm going to, I'm going to reiterate for, for the folks listening, what your story was. It was ridiculous. Mikey said that back in the day when Panerai's were military issue, (laughs) they the California dial was given to, to people, I guess the Italian Navy in world war two. As a safety measure. As a safety measure. So if they were captured, their captors wouldn't know where they were from because half (laughs) the watch was in, is in Roman numeral and half is in Arabic. How the hell does that make sense? How about how about listening to the language they speak? Would that not give away? They're not, they're, they're, you know, when a when a German or a, an allied, uh, uh, what do you call them, uh, interrogator is interrogating. Hey, the, don't touch me there. Yeah, go as a And the guy's speaking Italian. He's not going to be like looking at his watch for clues. Let me let me see where you're from. <laughs> what? Like, come on. Yeah, nope. I don't know. Yeah. General Patton, this guy has two two different indices on his watch. He must be an Italian. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyways, it's yeah. a cool watch. It is a cool watch, and I hope that we can go check it out. I, do you think they'd have it at, uh, at the local Panerai boutique? Maybe. Yeah, we'll that'd ask. be cool. I'm going to move on to something um, that has been bugging me for a little bit. A little bit since I found out the other day, I was uh, perusing YouTube as I as I do. That's uh, that's where I get the majority of my information from. And I came across the time teller, Jory Goodman, who we've spoken about before. Uh, if you're if you do uh, watch a lot of stuff on YouTube about watches, you, you're bound to come across the time teller. Um, yeah, I, I like him. He's a little bit uh, eccentric uh, sometimes, and I think that he, he maybe goes a little bit too like too uh, acting. You know, you know what I mean? A little bit too much. Can't say I've ever watched him, so I don't know. Yeah, he's good though. I've learned a lot, quite a bit from him. And he had this video on why uh, buying uh, atomic G-Shocks is a dumb idea. And so he loves G-Shocks. Uh, he 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 has a, a number of G-Shocks, all non-atomic. The difference being that uh, the G-Shock lineup has the entry-level G-Shocks that you can find at Walmart anywhere like forty to forty dollars, and you can get them solar powered, but they won't be atomic timekeeping, uh, meaning that they don't connect to an atomic clock mm-hmm. through radio signals to to adjust the time every so often. And I'll give you an example: my watch without the atomic timekeeping is about fifty bucks. I paid ninety Canadian. So. You know, the the whole thing that I wanted was I wanted the opposite of my other watches. I wanted a watch I could leave in my watch case. It would charge with solar power, and I never had to modify the time. I could use the time to set my other watches because it was, you know, based off of an atomic clock, getting a reading from there. Jory Goodman made a video recently saying, don't waste your money on that feature. Uh, not only does it double the price of the watch by, you know, but does it double the price of the watch, but... As of recently, due to President Trump's budget cuts to save the American, uh, the uh, the economy, 6.4 or the taxpayer, 6.4 million dollars, they're going to be shutting down the uh, institution responsible for keeping the the uh, the atomic clock running, the atomic clock that all of these things are based on. And yes, that's a pain in the ass for watch guys, but like and, and me because I just bought into you know this atomic timekeeping trend. 
after it's going to stop. This thing has been going for for uh, since 1963. So I mean, there's no way I could have really predicted that President Trump was going to say, "Hey, we're axing uh, the atomic timekeeping stations." Um, again, the way it works is um, since 1963, there's been a station. Let me see here. Where's it? What's it called? Um, it's called WWVB. I'm just going to quote off of Hackaday uh, website here. Um, WWVB used by millions of Americans every day. Uh, the NIST's own estimates over 50 million timepieces of some form or another. And that's talking about what, like G-Shocks, not only uh, you have alarm clocks. There's so many things that you, uh, cars have this, have this functionality. This has been around for a very long time. In the 80s, I think it became very popular for consumers. Um, you know, a, a clock you would never have to adjust. Even if there's a power outage, the minute mm-hmm. it comes back on, it connects to the, to the atomic clock and it has the time. Um, 50 million timepieces of some form or another, 50 million that's more than the, the population of Canada. Uh, synchronize their time using the digital signal that has been broadcast since 1963. That's what is tough for a lot of people to swallow, is that if you're going to ax something in the States, right? If the president is going to to have budget cuts, do you have to, to, to cancel something that quite a number of people use? This sort of makes like, you know, my watch is going to keep time. It's still a G-Shock. It's going to act like every other G-Shock. But there's probably like alarm clocks that people use that are not going to keep time because they're really, really old. And, you know, they're not great. They relied on the atomic capability to keep accurate time. And so they weren't fitted with proper, uh, you know, uh, tech to, to keep time for a long period of time. That's with you know, and then it sounds trivial. Now you got to throw out your alarm clock and use your phone, whatever. But still. It's kind of like, did you have to do that? Like, is it not a good idea to have a synchronized time in case other shit fails, in case a satellite gets hit by floating space garbage and your phone can't synchronize uh, with the satellite anymore? It's probably good to have something on the land that is atomically synchronized. Does that make sense? Kind of. I'm not, a, I'm not, you know, I don't know so much about this topic. I'm sure there is a backup, you know, and that this wasn't like our last resort. But still, it's kind of a piss off. And yeah, I'm a little bit pissed. I spent double the money on the atomic feature for my G-Shock. It is a you problem. It is a me problem. But Jory Goodman, he was right, God damn it. You know, I, I spent all that money. Well, not all that money. It's 90 bucks, whatever. But uh, And now the one of the biggest things I loved about my G-Shock won't work. I think this is still a proposed budget cut. That, you know, it may not be passed, but it's looking like they're going to pass it. Mm-hmm. Because it's really like the people who are going to be affected have other means of telling the time. Still, this is a you problem. Whatever, Mikey. I wanted to talk about it. So what does that mean? That means if you're going to buy a G-Shock and you're looking at the non, the atomic timekeeping or the non-atomic timekeeping, looks like you shouldn't listen, buy the atomic timekeeping. Well, listen to uh, our friend, friend, the North time America. teller. Yeah, Jory, Jory Goodman. Anyway, I'm going to use that to, to talk about another YouTuber. Um, oh, our friend. Our new friend, Federico. Yeah, he well, liked. He's not he our friend. He's not our no, he's not our friend. He just he just liked our post on on Facebook. Yeah, it Instagram. was about him. Yeah, I know. We literally tagged him in it, and his face was in the post. He actually, uh, I mean, I actually talked about this a while ago that he was speaking about Ming. Yeah, we talked about it. So I, I along with Jory Goodman, I also you know watched Federico and and uh, a couple other guys in that ring. Like uh, what's the other one there? TGV. The, the TGV. Um, and uh, and 
Federico had had, had said, you know, my, he doesn't like micro brands on the whole. He's he thinks, you know, it's it's and there's a lot of people that have that opinion that it, your money is better spent on an yep. established brand. Um, but his favorite micro brand is Ming. Thanks for jumping on my bandwagon, Fed. Uh, Coming you know, the, from the kid that jumps on the Panerai bandwagon. Get out of here. The Ming bandwagon is a much smaller wagon, okay? It's a lot harder to jump onto. Your bandwagon was easy. All I had to do was step into it. Um, no, but uh, the Min bandwagon, bangwagon. <laughs> Jesus. This is a porno now. <laughs> the Ming bandwagon is growing, and especially because he uh, is talking so much about it. I'm happy about that because it's going to increase the value of my 1701. Um but he just bought one uh, on the used market. He admits he paid much more than the MSRP was oh, for really? his watch. Yeah, um, I, he didn't say the specific amount, but he paid. Much I haven't more watched for the video it. yet, but I will. Yeah, uh, he likes it. He likes the style. He likes whatever you know everything about the watch. Who knows? He may have even watched our video that uh, we posted. He didn't mention it, but you know, there's only so many videos about the 1701. In fact, there's actually only one. There's more than that. No, there's more. I've you think you think just I like haven't you, checked? Just, just like how? Yeah, I I don't think you checked. There's well. a there's a podcast. From a blog to watch, I think a blog to watch, or one of the, like one of those uh, guys who where they talk with Ming Thien, uh the, the founder. Of, you know what, of Anthony? Ming I bet you he saw your video and said, "Holy crap! I need this watch." That's probably what happened. Federico was like, "Who? First of all, who is, is this? Channing Tatum of some sort? Uh, is that Tony Bond? <laughs> is this Jackie Chan?" <laughs> Shut up. The joke being there that I have very thin eyes. And that is uh, reminiscent of uh, of someone of Asian descent. But anyway, um, no, he's really happy with his piece. I- I'm happy that Ming is getting the, the publicity they deserve because uh, it is a fantastic sure, yeah. piece. Yep. And, uh, you know, you've made the comment before that, that the Ming 1701 is too small for your wrist. See. But Fed's got a bigger wrist than you. He's a big guy. And he he rocks it. He says it's the smallest uh, watch in his collection, but he, he rocks Let it. Let me pull up this video. I want to see this guy wearing this yeah. watch. It looks fine. Like honestly, it looks fine. He he wears he wears a system fifty one. Yeah, so do I. They're big. They're f- they're tall. They're tall. That's system what they 51s are. Fifty ones aren't tall. They are tall. They're big. They're not big. They're tall. They're big. And also the case. Mil. And also the case blends into the strap, so it makes it look larger. Forty four. Where are you getting forty four from? They're not forty four. Really, that just changed the way I feel about case sizes now. Maybe a forty-four. Uh, you gotta, you gotta look lug to lug dimension, not width. Yeah, I guess that. Yeah, and the style of the lugs also helps. Like the Ming with the with those like those curved like hook lugs fits the uh, smaller wrist very Pretty well. Pretty sure it's forty-four. That's what I saw. I think it's like forty-two. I don't think it's forty-four. Anyway, uh, just yeah, look at the video. Look how look how he looks, or even just check out our Instagram. You know, I, took Yo, I want the system tangerine. Nah, dude, I, I'm done with system fifty-one. Nah, dude. Nah, yeah, dude. I, I'm done with System 50. Actually, uh, I'll probably say it here. I'm going to sell my System Z 51. case height, 50.6. Height. Like, that's the lug to lug. Well, there aren't really any lugs on this. Wait, what? No, that's like 50 mil? 51 mil. Yeah. Um, I have to see that. I can't I can't it's pick. I inches. can't visualize. That's two 51 inches. 51 mil is two inches. 25 mil is one inch. I see. Okay. 25.4 if you want to be. Accurate. Hmm. To look. Interesting. Are you still looking for that video of Fed rocking this piece? I'm about to. Okay, because he, yeah, he's a he's a bigger guy, but he's wearing a you know a, it's a fairly fairly small watch. Um, it also is titanium, so it's very light. Yes. Which is one of the and things we're, we're, I we're I don't like. 
we're very familiar with with the Ming watches. Oh yeah. The only one we're not familiar with is the 1901, because no one here is which I ready to feel spend like um, that will, probably won't happen, Anthony. What if you buy a Bershaw and Taylor and I'll buy a 1901? I'm down. Let's do it, man. Our 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 Instagram will little literally be on fire <laughs> for three people <laughs> so bought and four the days most, the, the most exciting break micro brands in the world um but <laughs> unfortunately do you think they'll make me like a custom like 43 mil brishal and taylor um 42 millimeter you probably have to ask brad next time you see him see if he see if he's willing to do that <laughs> i doubt it we met the guys from brishal and okay, taylor how um, cool is that Federico did we speak about that on the last talks, podcast watch i don't think we did. did i don't know no because we we're talking I bought about a Vic. new watch it's weird and i love it all right, Fed. Let's let's see this. I don't know why. Like, yeah, it's weird, but it's only weird because you know, Federico typically you know buys like Rolexes and Panerais and and yeah, you know what I should. Yeah, I that. wear he, my thumb mariner. <laughs> that is not how he sounds. <laughs> you did a good. Impression. I do a good Federico. And Federico, if you're listening to this, I doubt you are. But if you're listening, this is this is my impersonation of you. It's Federico talks watches. Go back to that. Here, let me do mine. Let me do mine. Federico Talks Watches. Back to a shorter little episode of Federico Talks Watches. <laughs> Talks Watches. <laughs> he, he's awesome though. His Holy con- his moly, yeah, this thing looks like a penny on his wrist. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's. I don't know how he's wearing that strap. The strap looks like it's fitting perfectly. It's probably on the. Well, I mean, it's a right. It's an average size strap. But he. Um, I've seen him wear small watches. I've seen him wear small watches. You gotta have confident with your confidence with your wrists. He used to work for uh, Richemont Group, which I'm pretty sure Cartier is a part of Richemont Group. He like he knows a lot about Cartiers anyway. Cartiers are small watches, and he used to wear them. So like I should have bought the GMT man. GMT what? The Ming. Seventeen oh three. Seventeen oh three, right? I like the. I like it's seventeen oh three. Yeah, but I like the case design of mine better. I don't know. Or not sorry, not the case design. I like the the dial design of mine better. Yeah, it's like kind of quirky. Yeah, and when I saw because I've watched a video about how the GMT function works on that watch, it left a little to be. Um, it, like, given the price, if it was the same price as mine, I would be a lot more. But it, it's like six hundred dollars more than mine was MSRP, and they're not limited either, so it's not gonna you know increase in value the same way mine did. Mm-hmm. There's it left it left something more. The nineteen oh one, if that was like three grand, yeah, they would have had a sale like instantly. But obviously, the, the the powerhouse of that thing is worth the money. I think that it's still a relatively good bargain. Yep. At the price that that like that, like I'm looking at. I'm scrolling through the slideshow here of the 1701. It is absolutely stunning. It is such such a gorgeous piece. Um, absolutely. So yeah. Stunning. Anyways, uh, to mm-hmm. conclude, hey, uh, Brashal and Taylor, if you want to make a 44 mil watch, <laughs> yeah. I'm your guy. We, we are definitely going to link up in the in the new year for sure. Um, we, uh, you know, we were talking to them. Uh, we'd love to see their workshop. Uh, these are these are guys like you know, homegrown out of Toronto, and uh, and they're putting together some like a pretty spectacular homegrown, grain fed, grain fed, yeah, yep. free free no, range, no GMOs, no GMOs used. Um, <laughs> sure. Anyway, uh, no. So we definitely hope to, to do a collab with them in the future. And uh, yeah, is that is that it for today? Are we done? Are we gonna I end don't know, off Anthony, on? I have no internet tabs. Oh, that's true. Well, I, I think we are done. We got nothing else to talk about. We're probably it's getting go, cold in here. It's getting pretty cold. You know, we have to shut down the heat when we record because uh, we're in an, uh, an, an office space where the heat makes a lot, quite a bit of noise. Um, I'm not. I'm not poking at it. I'm not prodding you for it. You're giving me a look like you're offended. 
Anyway, uh, this again the last show of the year. So for and, all, uh, of we'll see. We'll see you guys in three months. Yeah, no, we are going to record sooner than that. If you don't want to record, then I will. Um, yeah, is this is there strife between? I know the you'll two try. Editors of you'll <laughs> probably record it on like your iPhone. Probably, <laughs> probably. Uh, but before we leave, I do want to say um, thank you to Mikey for everything he's done this this year, uh, and thank you to our to our uh, our listeners. Uh, and our supporters, uh, those of you who I've met and, uh, and those of you that reach out to us, it really does mean a lot. And, uh, we have a lot of plans for future content. Thank you again for your, uh, for your support and, um, have a great 2019 or rest of 2018 and we'll see you in 2019. And, uh, no, thank you to Anthony. What do you mean? No, thank you. Merry Christmas and have a new year. Oh, no, thank you. Wow. <laughs> have yeah. a great new year. Have a great new year, everybody. <laughs>